0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Tuesday morning. Let's get started right away. First of all, I want to say good morning to all of our friends on Blog Talk Radio. And if you are interested in calling into the broadcast today, the number to call is 818-369-0326. And you could actually press 1 on your dial pad. We'll bring you right into the broadcast For our friends on YouTube and Facebook and Omega Radio, welcome to the broadcast. We have a comment bar here. You could comment on anything you're hearing. And so again, we have a uh, continuation of a study in the book of Revelation with some added uh, significance, and we're looking forward to getting into that here in just a moment. We're going to actually be looking at a passage here in just a little bit, but first I want to give opportunity for folks to join us on the air. Did you have a great Mother's Day? Let me start there. Did you have a wonderful Mother's Day? Ladies, were you honored? Mothers, were you honored? Did you receive something to bless your heart, to release you, and have you experience this uh, honorable, mindset. Praise God. We had a wonderful time. We honestly did. The spirit of the Lord was good and uh, we enjoyed very much. And if you did not have an opportunity to listen to our Mother's Day message, I have a sense because of the reaction we received that it may be a really awesome blessing for you. And all you have to do to listen to it is to go to our Facebook or YouTube page, go to our Sunday Mother's Day service, And you'll be able to listen. It was very short, very sweet, but I think very transformational. Praise God. That's a good way to put it. I want to say good morning to David Ellefson. Good morning, David. And Samuel Grimes, good to see you. Trust Paul's with you as well. And to all of our saints out there, I'm waiting to see our sister Cindy say good morning. Hopefully she's wide awake out there in Southern Cal and uh, getting ready for the broadcast as well. So today, we are going to continue on, and, and when, when it's time to move into the book of Revelation, we're going to bring everything up to speed, and then we're going to move forward, and we'll talk about some incredible things. But first, what I'd like to do is I'm going to share with you what I believe is um, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy. Um, however we want to say them. So, again, I want to say good morning. Trust we're coming through loud and clear over the airwaves. Praise God. Blog Talk Radio looks like we're doing pretty good there. And uh, so far, we're doing good on Facebook and YouTube, giving some moments for things to come through. All right. So what I'm going to share with you is something that I believe Holy Spirit has Begun to unveil or to reveal, you be the judge. It's always about you being the judge. Um, And you know what I'd like to do? I want to read to you a passage of scripture. Mm -hmm. Let's go to, uh, let's begin with some words here. No, I want to do this. Let's go to Exodus chapter 23. Just for a moment, Exodus chapter 23. I just found this to be profoundly wise. You know, the word of God is so wise. Listen to these simple words coming out of Exodus chapter 23, verse 1. You shall not raise a false report... We could just stop right there and preach it, huh? Uh, You shall not raise a false report. You know, when I read that this morning, I was thinking, how many maybe unwittingly, ignorantly are raising a false report? In other words, what I saw is somebody says something, and all of a sudden we jump on the bandwagon and we raise it, and it may not be a true report. And... This is a word of caution and a word of wisdom to all of us, because this is before the Lord that we stand. You shall not raise a false report. So if somebody says something and you pick it up and run with it, uh, and you begin to disseminate that information and you begin to share and you begin to proclaim and say, you know, this is, the, this, this is it, and it's not real. I mean, how many of you know that's called deception, right? And we know in the last days, there's a lot of deception, Jesus said, would be a sign of the times. So you shall not raise a false report. Put not your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Don't be an unrighteous witness. Don't put your hand with those that are giving false witness about anything. You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. In other words, just because the the majority of people are saying something, don't join with them, okay? Neither shall thou speak in a cause to decline after many to wrestle with judgment. In other words, don't wrestle with pure judgment. Don't undermine judgment. Don't say anything that will undermine judgment. Verse three, neither shall your countenance Or should you countenance a poor man in his cause? If you meet your enemy's ox, now this is interesting, definitely New Testament as well. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. So if your enemy has a donkey or a ox and it's out of the way, well, even though it's your enemy, you and I are to bring it back to him as an act of goodwill. Verse 5, if you see the donkey of him that hateth thee, lying under his burden, in other words, the donkey had a big burden on it, but he fell down under the burden, he can't move, and somebody hates you, you know that this is the enemy of yours who hates you? He said to them, uh, and, you would, and would forbear to help him because he's your enemy, you shall surely help with him. In other words, even if your enemy hates you and even if, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's against you and your psyche would say or your emotions would say, uh, there's his donkey. It's all messed up, man. That's judgment on him. No, actually, the scripture says you should help him. You should most certainly are going to help your enemy's donkey. And this is how Romans says you're going to be pouring coals of fire upon their head, right? So I thought that was important. But then this really stuck with me today. You shall not wrestle the judgment of of the poor in his cause. Okay, so take care of the poor. Keep thee far from a false matter. Man, don't get involved. Don't engage in anything that is false. And the innocent and righteous slay thou not. So don't slay the innocent and the righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. And this I thought was really important, verse 8. And you shall take no gift. This is a bribe. For the bribe or the gift blinds the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Wow. So it blinds the wise... And perverts the words of the righteous. So you and I have to be very careful. I have to be doubly cautious because I'm on the other side of the microphone speaking. And if I'm being moved by a bribe or because somebody is taking care of the ministry financially, which doesn't happen here altogether by one person, nobody does that. But if there were, say, one big donor that was, you know, under supporting everything that we're doing and the tendency would be to, you know, uh, kind of move in the direction of their thinking, to appease their thinking. Listen, none of us can afford to do that. Nobody should do that, especially those that are committed to the word of God, right? Because it will blind, again, your judgment. And what's it say exactly here? Verse 8 again. It will blind the wise, okay, and pervert the words of the righteous. So the righteous words will even be perverted if they're taking a bribe. And I just thought that the meaning of these scriptures in Exodus 23, they're definitely in the New Testament, and they're, they're explained, right? <clears throat> this is what Jesus meant, love your enemy, do good to those that despitefully use you and hate you. If you see his donkey laying down, help him, you know, pour uh, coals of fire on their head. But I also felt like the admonition here was for all of us, you and me and all, all of God's kids. Be careful about receiving a bad report. Uh, be careful to not just speak into a cause that you don't know is absolutely correct or right. And you have to know by the Spirit of God what is the truth. You have to have a witness of the truth. You can't just align yourself with a a board of directors, so to speak, that are speaking a certain thing. And you say, well, I agree with them, so I'm going to go and speak what they speak. Make sure you're not agreeing with something that's not true. And that's why you and I are admonished to stay in the Word of God You and I must keep our heads buried in the Word of God more than buried in the news media, more than buried on iPads or iPods or YouTube videos or anything else. My encouragement to you, if you are tuning into this broadcast, which is awesome that you do, but my admonition to you is that you're spending a a small period of time here. You need to spend your quality time, your best time, buried in the Word of God. You need to have your Bible next to your Bible. You need to have a pad of paper and a few pens or pencils. You need to take notes. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to break down. And I'm telling you, it could begin with one scripture in 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 any book of the Bible that you're studying, and, I, and you just need to get in there, immerse yourself in the Word of God, and pay more attention to what God is saying. And here's what I believe the, the true wisdom comes from. When we're burying ourselves in the word of God and we're studying and we're searching the scriptures, well, now we look at the world around us through that biblical lens and we're more able to rightly divide the word of God. We can discern better by what's going on out there because we have a lens that we're looking through that's clean. So I want to encourage you, dear saints of God, especially at this time of gross darkness and great deception, to bury yourselves in the word. Pull us time aside every day. Get apart, get in the word, read your Bible, take some notes, get your concordance, break down the words in the Greek and the Hebrew. Not that you have to. You have the Holy Spirit to teach you everything you need to know. But it's an awesome thing to really get behind the scenes and study things out and get down to the nitty gritty and down to the root. I mean, there's nothing like exploration for the pioneering spirit that is in you to explore the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And they don't just come because, well, I'm reading surfacely. You know, there's a surface message or a message on the surface, but there's also deeper things to discover. And you and I need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a discovery spirit, a pioneering spirit, an exploring spirit, so that we can explore and discover and pioneer into the Word of God, because there are mysteries that unlock things where we could peer into the heavenly things, get into a supernatural spiritual reality, which you and I are called to do, the spiritual man judges all things, and you and I need to be much more supernatural, which means that we're not just natural people. The natural man does not understand, according to 1 Corinthians, the things of God. You and I need to get beyond a mere, morbid, Uh, linear, horizontal, walk with God. We need to know that God is a spirit and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. And we need to set ourselves apart to peer in, look into. We need heavens to open. We need windows of heaven to open, doors in heaven to open. You read the scripture and there was, it says in Revelation 4, and a door opened in heaven, a portal. Then you read in Malachi, and I'll open unto you the windows of heaven. So there are access points in the kingdom in the spiritual realm that are very real and some people have perverted that by suggesting that they've been there and all they're really bringing back is their own imagination But that doesn't have to be your reality. You, like Annie, if you've ever read the book, Annie's Visions, was about an Argentinian woman that couldn't wait to get home every day because she would go home and shut the windows and shut the doors to her house, and the heavenly realms opened up and she was transported into the heavenly realms where she was hanging out with angels and she saw so many things. You can go online and find her book, Annie's Visions. How many of you believe it's time to peer into the things of God and to to get our beings saturated with the word of God so that we can have a defense, an immune system against the deception that's going on in the world today? There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of times where we can get involved in false reports. We can actually come into agreement with a false report. And that'll happen when we're listening only with our soul, only to what men are saying, only what to the news media is saying, the politicians are saying, the world is saying. You and I build up a spiritual immunity by hearing what God is saying. Amen? So if I can get an amen on that, then we can proceed. And I just thought that was super important uh, to get into. Now, because we are going to be in the Word of God, I'm going to read to you And again, you have to be the judge. And then when we're done with this portion, I'm going to move into the book of Revelation chapter 13 today. Last week, we were deep into the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, the final prophecy given to the final generation on this earth. And today we're going to see some of the historical data and how it measures up in Revelation 13 today. So I want our spirits and our minds and our hearts to be prepared To enter in. But first, now that we're shifting, I'm going to say something to you. Uh, It was around, I guess, one or two in the morning. I got up. I came downstairs. I, I just, my heart was beating, thirsting, literally. I'm telling you the truth. I was thirsting for the Word of God. I wanted to get into this Word. I was a little bit tired, and I just wanted to dive into the Word of God. Let me tell you how this happened, okay? Um, Here we are. So the other day, I became familiar with a television app called VidAngel. Maybe you've heard about it. That's where The Chosen. Now, I would recommend for those of you that love studying documentaries or other things like that, alongside the Word of God first... But there was this Vid angel, and what it does is it cancels out all foul language from any movie on Amazon or on uh, whatever the other movie channels are um, I forget now but you or Netflix. So you could watch a movie, and you could have the Vid Angel app. It connects to your television. So from your phone, you push the movie, and it shows up on your television, and you set the filters. No nudity, no profanity, no blasphemy, no uh, child foolish language. They got all kinds of filters. And so I was testing it out, and I wanted to know if it worked. So I saw one of the movies was about Edward Snowden. You remember Edward Snowden? He became a hero. In the United States during the Obama Bush Obama administration, he was telling the world about the collection of data going on on every citizen in the United States and around the world. You remember the Edward Snowden. So there was the story. And I watched it, and sure enough, VidAngel took out all profanity, not even a hint that it was there. No nudity, no foul language, no blasphemy. And so we're watching this movie, but as I'm watching, it was the pure revelation of how the CIA, the NSA, and all these other alphabet agencies were gathering information on Facebook, cell phones, computers. Even though the computers were off, they had a listening device called, oh, I forget what it is now. And so I'm watching this movie and I'm just being blown away. And I'm thinking that was eight years ago. That was going on from 2004 to 2013. So you go from 2013, you're talking literally uh, 2004. So you're talking 12, uh, 13 years this thing was going on, and then because of Edward Snowden, who wound up going to Russia to live there, uh, and the U.S. wanted to bring him back, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, he needed to come back and face it because he was a, uh, uh, an espionage spy. He was giving important secrets away, and he was downloading all this information, remember? So I'm watching this last night. And I'm thinking, my God, and we're now eight years down the road since that story broke open. And one of Edward Snowden's greatest concerns is that a new administration would come to power that would press the button and all the spyware and all the data and all the information. And the reality is everybody was being watched. Now, supposedly, because of what he did, The Congress and all these other people were saying it's against the law now to listen to phone calls and listen to uh, people and watch them and their data. You can't collect it. You can't put it into a, a database, et cetera, et cetera. In 2013, supposedly, it was against the law. But you and I are mature enough to understand, no, they are listening to everything that we are saying. They are watching us. To every mechanism you could imagine. It is big brother on steroids, and I believe that's very true, and I believe that there's enough evidence and proof to say that, you know, the other day. I'll give you an example. I was, and, and this is my own opinion now, and you have to be the judge, my own opinion. We know, we know for a fact that when our cell phones are nearby, even though they're turned off, when we start talking about restaurants, suddenly there will something come up on our our cell phone about restaurants in town. And we were just talking to people about restaurants. The other day, I think I told you this last week, I was with a friend, we were talking about trucks and, and when we left the conversation, I was thinking in my brain Okay, because this is a dear elderly man in his 70s who has been around church forever. He knows everybody. He's got somewhat of an apostolic thing going on in him as well. And he was talking about a truck. And I was thinking, while we were separated and I'm driving, I'm now thinking, how could I help this person get a truck. I have a truck. Maybe I'll give mine away. I was thinking this, just thinking, you know, you think about thoughts when you want to bless people, right? So I was just thinking about this on my phone and it pops up. McClarty Daniel, we have a trade-in for your truck. Honest to God, it came up. So I began to think, that there was an integration, and I've said this a couple of years ago, that there is an integration between our brain and the computer chip. Now, I can't spread a false report, right? And I don't want to be involved in doing that. But I'm beginning to witness some very interesting ideas that it is possible It is potential that the human brain, which most of our computers are running by the same guidelines as the brain works, the circuitry, the electrical, the the hard drive, the conscious, the subconscious, you know, there seems to be that's the, the blueprint for the computers today. And that somehow these phones that we lift up to our head every day or with our hand every day, that there's an integration going on. And they are now able to read our thoughts. Well, there was a movie put out with Tom Cruise years ago about these people that laid in water, and they had their circuitry of their brains all hooked up, and they were taking the information that was going on in their brain, and it was being put out onto a screen, a television screen. I think it's called Minority Report. I don't know what it's called. And, and there it was. These people were laying water, and they were getting criminals um, before they committed the crime because these people were transmitting psychical understanding of what the future was. So they had this psychical knowledge of the future, and so they were taking what was going on in their, in their brain, their sensory, and it was going through these wires onto the screen, they were reading their thoughts. So I, either Hollywood is being a prophet or it's, 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 it's spreading false information, regardless of what they're doing, I know that I was thinking about something and it showed up on my phone. And I thought, how weird is this really getting now with these vaccinations, right? Now, these vaccinations, they're putting something in us. And as my friend tells me who his company works with, Moderna, they're one, and they brought forth this vaccination. He's so excited about it because he tells me, my friend, who I hit with, playing tennis when I get a chance to do it, he tells me it is not a vaccination. What we've discovered through technology is through this injection, there is digital code, and in the intelligence of the digital code, it goes after, it's designed to go after the COVID coronavirus. Now, this is somebody that works with Moderna, his company works with theirs to get this whole thing done, He's taken his vaccinations. He's very proud about it, very happy about it, thinks the whole world should be vaccinated because uh, the few minor glitches that are going on with some people, with blood clots, this, that, and the other thing, but Moderna, that's excellent, and everything is forward motion, go, go, go. Well, here is digital information, being put into the human body. Now, that's a little weird in itself because this is where people are now talking about how it will restructure your DNA and do all these different things. And then as we have been talking about the movie, I Am Legend. And in the beginning of the movie, I Am Legend, the movie begins with a news report of a woman reporter and she's talking to a woman doctor and they're talking about cancer. And the whole idea is that the medical industry put a injection into 10,009 cancer patients. This is the conversation in I Am Legend. And the news reporter's asking, well, how many people were there? There was 10,009. We put and injected into them this ability, information digital information it was injected into their bodies and she and the reporter asked well out of the ten thousand nine how many were cured and the woman said the doctor ten thousand nine and the reporter said every one of them were cured yes and then she says so you found the cure to cancer and the woman says yes all of a sudden the scene changes Three years later, Manhattan is a desolation. Everybody has fled the island of Manhattan, and the only people on the island of Manhattan in New York City is Will Smith and his dog, right, and the zombies. Who are the zombies? The zombies were the people that were injected with the DNA code, the digital code, to fight cancer. But even though it was curing the cancer, it had a negative reaction in producing this zombie-like state. Okay, so was Hollywood prophesying about the days we're in right now? And we could go on down with The Walking Dead. We could look at other movies that were out there for the last several 10 to 15 years talking about all these situations that now are going on. So people are looking for the truth. What's the point of saying all this? Well, here's what I heard last night. So I was watching the Edward Snowden story documentary. Zero cursing, zero nothing, because vid angel works. I can affirm that. Vid angel works. So if you wanted to watch a show and you didn't want all the garbage, it works. Now, I'm up last night at, again, at the timing, 1, 2 in the morning, whatever it is. And I'm thirsting for the word of God. I want to prepare for this meeting we're having today. And I sat down at the computer and I just felt led to write. I want to share with you what I wrote. And you'd be the judge again. And then we're going into Revelation. Sickened by sin, a nation convulses. spewing out her own shame and vomiting up her inward disease. Now the masses stand ready to receive the vilest of plagues, a wasting disease that strips the flesh and pours out the blood. America is convulsing, and the medicine has run out. Now comes the inevitable takeover and death, to its freedom wars and riots spread like a virus and unrest moves throughout the land only time now only time until there is no more soon America will die her engineers and social leaders have placed the final fabric into the system and the takeover is at hand from another nation rises the military power feared as America has been sold for a pot of beans. Where will you go? What will you do? We are not paranoid, only aware that we are being watched, we are being listened to. However, there is good news. And this was so awesome Because these words came to me with such sobriety, clarity. And then this scripture popped into my head. And I wrote here, there is good news. And here was the good news. The good news is that there is an Elijah company on the earth presently under the divine protection of the most high and those who are watching us are being watched and regardless of what their power may seem to be God will frustrate the plans and purposes of the enemy against the rigidly righteous ones i want to give you the story in second kings chapter 6 Let's go there for just a moment. 2 Kings chapter 6, I'll start in verse 8. It says, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God, Elijah, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. So in other words, Elijah was getting the plans of the enemy against the king of Israel. And Elijah kept giving the king of Israel the information, and he kept avoiding the trap. Verse 11. So... Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he's getting a little bit frustrated, this Syrian king. And then in verse 12, one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, so this is Elisha, who had the double portion of Elijah, ministry. So Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. And I just want to look at the word telleth there in the Hebrew is the Nagad. And it simply means to stand boldly out as an opposite. He announces, he declares as a messenger, he rehearses, he reports. All right. So the king of Syria is now being told by his counsel that Elisha, the prophet of God, is giving the king of Israel the information. In other words, he's reading your mail, king of Assyria or king of Syria. And then it says in verse 13, and he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God, this is Gehazi, I believe it is, was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So he's got the blindness on these enemies, and he's now bringing them in the wrong direction. Verse 20, it came to pass when they were come into Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of those men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. They went to their master, so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel." Wow, what an amazing story. What is it actually saying? This is a story about Elijah's mantle, a double portion of it, upon Elisha. And Elisha has a prophetic ability to know what the kings of the earth are saying. There are many Elishas in our world today. There are Elishas in the Ecclesia today. And they know what is going on behind the scenes and they're able to declare they hear and what they see and what they know to frustrate the purpose and the plans of the enemy against, and again, this is where God emphasized the rigidly righteous. Now, if I take this story and I bring it into the now, what it is saying to the rigidly righteous, the obedient overcomers, the sons of God who honor the Lord and obey the Lord, I'm telling you, the, Those who are not lukewarm, those who are not compromised, those who love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and follow the Lord and are pressing into the heart of Jesus Christ. God has a ministry, a mechanism set up on your behalf because you are a kingdom of kings and priests. There is a set up, a counterintelligence from God's Holy Spirit against the intelligence of the world the best technology that the world has, God has a technology way beyond it that is able to frustrate their purpose against your life. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel, but it is profoundly realistic. It is the Word of God, and if you can receive it, you need to know There is a spiritual intelligence to protect you against the powers of darkness. Therefore, be not afraid, neither be dismayed by what the world is doing with their technology, their invasiveness. Just know what their plans are, and then do not allow yourself to participate in it. Now, they're watching you. They're listening to you. God is watching them, and God is listening to them. And then here's what's going to happen in Psalm chapter 2. I want you to hear this, Psalm chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And then the word of God says to these rulers of the world, He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. So God is going to laugh. God is going to mock the enemy of God and his anointed. Now, Yeshua, Jesus, is the anointed one, but you and I are also anointed ones as members of the body of Christ, the anointed one. We are the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh. I want you to know in these last days, while the enemy is laboring to bring you into bondage, God has given you a spiritual intelligence through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, but also through the seers, through the Elisha company that walks upon the face of the air to declare unto God's people the true ways of God. So, again... When we read words like these, and I want to read it again. This is the, I believe this is a prophetic reality. But don't you worry about this as a rigidly righteous one. Sickened by sin, America, a nation convulses. Are you witnessing the convulsions that are going on? Spooing out her own shame. Oh, my God, are we doing that? And vomiting up her inward disease. Now the masses stand ready to receive the vilest of plagues. While I was writing this, I was thinking, there's something that they're about to introduce. And just yesterday, the CDC announced that the coronavirus is not anything From transmission from person to person, it's airborne. Now there's a rising of the cases coming around, even though they're loosening up some things, and God's saying that there, the masses are standing ready to receive the vilest of plagues, a wasting disease that strips the flesh and pours out the blood. Yuck. What does that mean? America is convulsing, and the medicine has run out. What does that mean? Is there coming a lack of supply? Well, we just saw through a down-grid situation on the East Coast that the price of gas is rising, and they actually have run out of fuel at many gas stations. Why? Because of a cyber attack. Edward Snowden last night showed how they could flip a switch and take a whole nation down and bring it into the darkness. We have a prophetic word that things are going to go dark very soon. Wake up, America. Wake up, Christian church. Wake up, righteous ones. Let the Holy Spirit lead us. Wars and riots spread like a virus. And unrest moves throughout the land. Where's that unrest coming from? You ready to get into the book of Revelation? Well, here we go in just a moment. Only time now, only time until there is no more. Soon America will die. Her engineers and social leaders have placed the final fabric into the system And the takeover is at hand. And what I was witnessing in my spirit as I was writing is that there are those that are operating within this nation who are not for the uh, sovereignty and the national independence. They are globalists. They are leftists. They are part of a global satanic scenario that they are turning this nation over to the globalist community. They are breaking it down little by little, isolating it, separating it, divide and conquer. They're doing it through the plague. And the time of the takeover is at the door. This is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And there's something being released that's going to conquer the people of this nation. But the rigidly righteous are going to have a divine intelligence to beware them of what is coming so that they're not taken over by it. Now, from another nation rises the military power. In other words, your your leaders, the leaders of this country, they're not my leaders, but the leaders of America, they're selling the nation out. They're about to turn it over to world powers, global powers, dark forces. And from another nation rises the military power feared as America has been sold for a pot of beans, been sold out. I don't know how this works. This is just what I'm picking up in the middle of the night. And this is with sobriety. I'm writing. I'm sensing it. I'm seeing it. I'm feeling it. And then where will you go? What will you do? We are not paranoid, only aware that we are being watched, we are being listened to. However, the good news is, is that there is an Elisha company on the earth presently under the divine protection of the Most High. And those who are watching us are being watched, and regardless of what their power may seem to be, and this is not over America in general, this is over the rigidly righteous, whatever their power may seem to be, God will frustrate the plans and purposes of the enemy against the rigidly righteous ones. What side of the day are you on? Who will you serve in these last days? We cannot serve two masters. We cannot have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. Rigidly righteous means we honor the Lord and do everything that he says is right. There will be a divine protection for you. Those who are sinning, those who are lukewarm, those who are on the fence in contemplation of which way they want to go, Those who are entertaining demons, drinking the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils, 1 Corinthians. Those that do such things cannot rest under this protection that I'm referring to. I believe that God is saying this protection is for the overcomers, the remnant, the true ecclesia of called out ones who serve the Lord God Almighty. The rest of the world, particularly in the United States, is the nation that has to be taken down in order for globalization to commence in its fast-forward motion, which it will do. This is where you have to make a decision. How are you going to serve the Lord from this day forward? Got to examine yourself, and I'm telling you, if you're lukewarm or compromised or you're, and you're just in that gray zone, you should be terrified. Because what's coming down the pike is going to have an influence on you. It may even take from you the eternal life that God desires to give unto you. This could happen to anybody. There's a great falling away. There are forces that are coming on this earth that men's hearts will melt for fear. Now, one of the things that I wrote here as well is... Wars and riots spread like a virus and unrest moves throughout the land. Well, that's in Luke 21, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear of what they see coming. Well, this is where I want to transition out of the book of Revelation chapter 13, because All the upheaval, the turmoil that we've just seen, the preview, right? 2020 was a preview. These first five months into the new year, 2021, a preview of what we're about to enter into. Summer's not even here. The president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, mentioned about two months ago that there was – this summer would be a nightmare along with many others. So something's coming. Summer fruit. Something's on the way. Something's going to go dark. Something's going to spread. Something is going to be even more turmoilous. And we've been studying this book of Revelation, and I want to, to begin in Revelation chapter 13 now. Revelation chapter 13, and I want to go to uh, verse one. Stood on. The sand. All right, so let's walk through this. All right, so let's get to the bottom line. Revelation chapter thirteen, verse one, and we're going to go with the Strong's. So, are you ready? Here's what we're here's how this is going to look. And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now, what was happening in Revelation 1 through 12? Remember, Revelation is a prophecy. Five times it tells it. There is no prophecy in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. We have introduction in chapter 1, letters to the seven churches, which have meaning to all churches throughout the church age of the last 2,000 years. Those letters have incredible information for you and I today. They teach us, they exhort us, okay? they examine us, but there's no prophecy in chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 4, John goes into heaven. Like every true prophet of God, they're encountered by God to receive their calling. Uh, And there's a tremendous amount of description and detail that we don't go into. It's just right now general information. We're going to get into the detail as we go around the next time. Chapter 5, there's a book in the hand of him who sits on the throne. It's got seven seals. That book is the prophecy chapter six of revelation with the first seal opening the prophecy begins it is a continuum it is not a jigsaw puzzle it's one event after the other it is not middle eastern centric or israeli centric It is as universal and global it incorporates every tribe every tongue every culture every nation the sun the moon the stars the the birds of the air the fish of the sea the beasts of the earth everything in creation is involved in this prophecy. You're in it as the final generation. The only generation that could actually measure up to this, because Israel is a nation that has a temple in this. And for 1900 years, Israel did not have a temple. It was destroyed in 70 AD. This is not a prophecy about 2,000 years ago. It is a prophecy about the end of time, Israel being a nation and will have a temple. You'll see, we saw that in Revelation chapter 11 and in many other places. So now we come to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. I saw or I stood upon the sand of the sea. Now remember, The first five seals, let me just go back, the first five seals we have discovered in our generation, whether we want to go back to a historical view or just since 9-11-2001, we have data, information, facts, that since 9-11-2001, the first five seals have opened. So the prophecy is underway And we know it's like a woman in travail. The image is always about a pregnant woman having contractions. The first seal, there's a labor pang. All right. So with each seal, with each opening, there are labor pangs. We talked about the first four seals having the four colors of Islam today. The white horse, the red horse, the black horse, the greenish colored horse. Those are the colors of Islam today. We talked about Al Qaeda. We talked about Hezbollah. We talked about ISIS. We talked about the Arab Spring, the Revolutionary War that went on in the Middle East. We talked about economic imbalance. We talked about famine. We talked about ISIS. We talked about all these things. And so we got into detail there. And then we saw the fifth seal, the martyrs, the martyrs, and there are martyrs everywhere today. And they're told to wait till the rest of their brethren who are going to die like them die. So we saw that in action. The only seal we didn't see was the sixth seal that we feel like we're waiting for on the precipice. When the sixth seal opens, now we move into... Chapter 7, where you have the pause with the ceiling of the 144,000, and then the untold multitude. But prior to that, you have four angels holding back the four winds. Remember that? Then we went to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel had the four winds that were striving upon the sea of humanity. They were political and social agitations. And then we equated the four winds in Daniel 7, when they blow on the earth, four empires rose you had first of all you had the babylonian empire came out of the sea of humanity then came the medo persian empire out of the sea of humanity then came the grecian empire out of the sea of humanity then came the roman empire they were all independent one of another but by the time we get to revelation 13 there's a john is standing on the sand of the sea and out of the sea rises a singular beast having all the characteristics of the four individual beasts of Daniel chapter 7. Are you following? It is just, we're just c- catching up. But the idea here in Revelation 13, 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. A singular beast. Well, listen, in Bible prophecy, you have to go with the patterns of scripture. In Daniel 7, he saw a beast rise out of the sea. And there were four of them, one after the other. Why? Because of the winds that were blowing, the political and social agitation stirring up the sea of humanity. That's in the Amplified Version. Now, in Revelation chapter 8, we get with the first four angels that have the trumpets. We know that a trumpet cannot make a sound without wind blowing through it. So the seven angels or the four angels in Revelation chapter 7 holding back the four winds, in other words, the angels are not going to sound until the 144,000 are sealed, then the four trumpets are the first four winds that bring turmoil all over the world. This is the political and social agitations. There are all kinds of celestial things that are going on. And so the nations of the earth are getting into turmoil out of that turmoilous sea of humanity in Revelation chapter 8, 9, and then 10, 11, 12, we read through all of that. Out of that turmoil, now there rises a singular beast having seven heads and 10 horns, and upon his horns, 10 crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. Now Patricia and I were talking about this because I was up again all night last night after writing and I was taking notes and getting ready to go through all of this. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. First of all, a lot of people believe that this end time beast could be the G7 um, it could be connected to uh, tech, the technological beast. There's a, there's a lot of information that people go along with. Okay. But when scripture interprets itself, we have to look at it. And again, this is the view that I have learned in my discovery and exploration and pioneering into the word of God, and then learning from others around and about me. This is what I came up with, okay? Who is this seven-headed and ten-horned beast and the ten crowns upon the ten horns? Well, we're going to look at it. Verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 2. The beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and that's where you go back to Daniel 7, and you'll see that one of the beast kingdoms was a leopard. It was Greece. And his feet were as the feet of a bear, you go back into Daniel chapter 7. One of the empires had the feet of a bear. It was a bear empire, which was the Medo-Persian empire. And then you had the mouth of a lion, which was the lion kingdom of Babylon. So here you have a singular beast, like a leopard, feet of a bear, mouth of a lion. The leopard, the bear, the lion. The leopard, the bear, and the lion show up in Daniel chapter 7 as the Grecian Empire, the medio persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire. However, in Revelation 13, they are all together as one beast. Now, to me, because it's Middle Eastern, it sounds like a caliphate or a gathering together of the ancient empires into one caliphate or a gathering together of the Sunni Shia nations under the Mahadi. Now, that's right up front, but let's examine this a little bit further. So, I saw this beast with seven heads, and yet it has the three bear, lion, leopard attributes, but it has seven heads. Now we're told, in verse 2, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And here's where you have to go back to Ezekiel to... Understand what the dragon represents. Um, And and we could do this real quick if I do it on the Internet here. The dragon actually represents a nation. And I want to show you the great dragon. Uh Uh-oh, let me go here. Let me go here. And the great dragon you're going to see was a nation in the Old Testament. So we have the great dragon of Ezekiel. And let's see what verse it's in. There it is, Ezekiel 29, 3. Listen to this. In Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 3, Speak and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of his rivers, which hath said, My river is my own, and I have made it for myself. So, what we have here is a great dragon in Scripture known as Egypt. So when we get to Revelation chapter thirteen and we see that there was the the, the the dragon gave the beast his power, well we know in Revelation chapter twelve it's a great red dragon. So if the great dragon in Ezekiel was Egypt and its king was Pharaoh. Who would the great red dragon be today? Well, to me, it's very clear that the dragon spiritually is Satan, but as a kingdom, it would be China. Because China carries the symbol of a great red dragon. They are the dragon empire. And it will be through China that the beast will be given its power, its seat, and great authority. That's all in Revelation chapter 2. So where does China situate itself? Well, definitely over in Asia, but also deeply rooted in the United Nations. Don't forget about that. So what I'm trying to get at, if we're going to really understand Bible prophecy, we have to allow the, the Bible to interpret itself. So when we're looking at a seven-headed beast with ten horns, but it has the attributes of the lion, bear, and leopard. Nations in the Middle East back in Daniel's day, well, we have to interpret it. When we see a great dragon or a great red dragon, we have to understand that's another nation. So what are we looking at so far? Don't get confused. We're going to go and we're going to explore this. Verse 3 says, I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. So this beast with seven heads, has one of his heads were wounded to death. His deadly wound was healed. So now we have to look at the seven heads, right? All right, how do we do that? I'll show you in just a moment. His deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So this beast, by the time we get to the Great Tribulation, because this is what's ahead of us, okay? We're just seeking description to know what we're looking for, how this is all going to work out of the turmoilous sea of humanity with what's coming on the earth, right? Verse 4, they worshipped. So the the world wondered after the beast. They worshipped the beast. And verse 4 of Revelation 13, they worshipped the dragon. That would be China, but it's all satanic. This is not Holy Spirit, okay? They worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, Probably most likely the caliphate, the Islamic caliphate. So China, communism, Islam will come together in some kind of an arrangement. And there's another player in this known as Mystery Babylon. We'll get into her in just a moment. So they worship the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And... This beast, having seven heads, ten crown, ten horns, ten crowns on his horns. There was given him a mouth in verse five, speaking great things and blasphemies. You'll find this beast in Daniel chapter seven as well. Power was given unto him to continue forty-two months, three and a half years. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So this is the 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 little horn in Daniel seven, the big mouth, and on and on and on. We'll 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 look at it. Let's give you a little description. And it was given him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds, all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life during this time, okay, you will not worship this dragon, you will not worship this beast, but you will be the enemy of it. So now you have a little description, but who is the beast? In order to understand that, we have to go to Revelation chapter 17. Let's take a little view here, Revelation chapter 17. Now, I'm going to pick up in verse 7. You could read the first seven verses, and we could maybe go back and do that. It's talking about Mystery Babylon riding a beast, okay? Um, Well, why don't we do that? In verse 3, Revelation 17, 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, Full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So again, the woman, who is Mystery Babylon, is sitting on the beast that has seven heads, ten horns. This is the same beast of Revelation 13. Now we see a rider on the beast, Mystery Babylon. We'll get into her in a little bit. Focus now on the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns. Who is it? Verse 7. Let's go to verse 7 of Revelation 17. The angel said unto me, Wherefore did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. So now we're going to let the Bible interpret itself. He's going to show us the mystery of the beast. With the seven heads and the ten horns. And then he says, in verse 8 of Revelation 17, The beast that you saw was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth, this is going back to what it said in Revelation 13, shall wonder or worship whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. We just read that in Revelation 13, 8. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Verse 9, here's the mystery. Here is the mind which has wisdom. Holy Spirit, help us. The seven heads are seven mountains. And here's where everybody says, it's Rome. The seven hills of Rome. Wait a second. The seven heads are seven mountains. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and 51, Babylon was known as a destroying mountain. Mountains in Scripture represent kingdoms or empires. Mount Zion, the mountain of God, is a governmental mountain. Okay? So mountains represent kingdoms, empires. And we, hear, we have here the, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings. Egypt was a mountain, and it's Pharaoh. Remember, the king was their Pharaoh. Say to the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Now, we have to ask ourselves, and here's the mystery. We have seven mountains, which represent the seven heads of the beast. Mountains are empires. Every empire has to have a king. There are seven kings, and then at the time of the writing of the prophecy... Five are fallen. That means five mountains, five kingdoms, five kings have fallen at the time of the writing. So who would those five kingdoms be? Well, here's something God taught me. I, it's what I believe. You have to be the judge because I like pattern, I like where there's pattern of scripture, because it makes things easier. The five mountains, or the five kings, or the the five heads that I'm about to share with you, all existed while Israel was a nation, or a gathered people. So if we go back in scripture, and we find the first mountain, or kingdom, or empire, with a king when israel was a gathered people we go back to egypt egypt was the first head after egypt came assyria assyria was the next great empire on the earth while israel was a nation israel was a gathered people in egypt they became a great nation in egypt They were a gathered people. Then in Assyria, they were a great nation. Assyria was the second head, the second kingdom, the second mountain, the second empire. The third, chronologically in order, was Babylon, Iraq, Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. It was a kingdom in the Middle East while Israel was a nation, a gathered people. The third, that was the third head. The fourth head was the Medio persian Empire. The Medio persian Empire, Israel was a nation. They were the fourth head. The Grecian Empire, in chronological order, was the fifth under Alexander the Great with the four generals. It's all descriptive in Daniel, okay? So that we have five empires, Five mountains, five heads, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Media Persia, Greece. And in Revelation 17, it says, there are seven kings, five are fallen, which we just mentioned, and one is. The empire nation, or the sixth kingdom, it was said one is at the time of the writing of this, was Rome, the Roman Empire would be the sixth head of the beast okay simple there are seven kings seven kingdoms five are fallen Egypt Assyria Babylon Medio persia Greece they were gone one is the Roman Empire and then it says the other the seventh is not yet come so i want you to notice in the pattern all six empires egypt assyria babylon media persia greece rome all existed while israel was a gathered people in 70 a.d israel was scattered to the ends of the earth They were scattered. They were not a gathered people. Some gathered over here and some gathered over there and some were over here. But they were never again a gathered people until 1948 when they began to gather back together. So in the pattern, it says five are fallen. One is, that was Rome. The other, the seventh, is not yet come. And when he comes, when that seventh empire comes, he must continue a short space. So we have to ask the question, since 1948, who was the global world power? Now we know before that you had the Ottoman Empire, you had the British Empire, you had all the warring going on in the Dark Ages and the Inquisition, I mean, you had all kinds of stuff going on for hundreds of years after the fall of the Roman Empire. But it was not at a time when Israel was a gathered nation. All of a sudden, 1948, over 1,900 years, Israel begins to regather as a nation. There are two powers that came into view after World War II and since Israel became a nation. Out of World War II, the United States of America was the global superpower, and alongside of the United Nation- the United States came the United Nations. It was fledgling; it had failed as the League of Nations. But coming out of World War II, the United Nations is an organization. But the United States is the youngest nation coming out of World War II. Remember, the seventh shall rule for what? It shall rule a short space. Let me get that. The other is not you. When he comes, he must continue a short space. So the seventh head. So now we view the United States and we ask ourselves, Has the United States become one of the heads of the beast? Well, when you look at what it's doing, shedding innocent blood, blaspheming God, come on, I don't have to go any further. Yes, the United States, the youngest nation as a superpower, is a short space. It's a short time we've been a nation since Israel is a nation. Now it says, if we can identify the United States as the seventh head of the beast, now it says, and the beast that was, I'm in verse 11, Revelation 17, the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. Uh Uh-oh. So now we have the beast is the eighth, but what's his description? And is of the seven. What is that actually saying? And he goes into perdition. So the end time beast, the eighth, the little horn, the beast having seven heads and 10 horns and 10 crowns upon the horns is made up. He's of the seven. In other words, the ancient empires of the world, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medio Persia, Greece, Rome, the United States—he is made up of all of them, and that only reveals the United Nations. All these empires, because Medio Persia was the uh, the Iranian Empire. You're talking about the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire. You're talking about Babylon, Iraq. You're talking about Middle Eastern. All these different empires. So what you have is a gathering together of all the ancient empires of the world, and they're put together as one. And this is the eighth, who's made of the seventh, the beast, the United Nations. Their strongest power is communism and Islam. Those are the most powerful blocks in the United Nations. The United States is the head of these things. But remember, the United States of America is being broken and gathered into a globalist reality, the United Nations, its own charter, constitution, court, military power, etc., etc. So the intended purpose for breaking the seventh United States, and it will only have a short space is to bring the turmoil, to remove it from its sovereign, independent, patriotic nation, break it, unite it with the globalist view. Now it's ruling and reigning as a communist United Nations power. No longer America, patriotism, the red, white, and blue, apple pie, Chevrolet, gone that's what's happening right now the short space that the seventh great nation the united states is coming to its end right now and the eighth or the the combination of all the other seven in the united nations is at the door and it's going to require the united nations army to come into the united states for the internal violence that is taking place in our country today it's planned it's prophetic it's biblical and it's absolutely amazing now who are the ten horns well the ten horns are ten kings and these give their power to the beast so in other words the beast the united nations that block well other nations are giving their power most likely Middle Eastern caliphate nations, maybe even from the European bloc, maybe from South America, it's a globalization. It's a gathering together of the world empire under the great dragon. China's going to be huge in this. Russia's going to be huge in this because it's red, it's communistic in nature. It's Antichrist. Islam is Antichrist. Communism is antichrist. This is all satanic. So that's my take on it. That's just simply my take. Now, what I'd like to do is maybe get some feedback of how y'all are doing out there. All right. Any, okay, we got Jasmine Schultz is with us today. Good morning, Jasmine. David's given an amen. Carla Dillon, amen. Melissa Fletcher, good morning. See, Melissa, in a little bit, just about a week and a half now. Kevin Hauger, good morning. Brenda, good morning. There is now a fourth COVID vaccine. What for? Right. Uh, PW, please tell us what you believe the image of the beast will be. Thank you. All right. Jasmine, do you think it's the vaccine? Vaca in Italian means cow. Vaca in Latin means false savior. All right, so some good thoughts out there. All right, so what do you think about what we just heard? And we could talk about what the image of the beast is. Wow, man, you're getting into some deep stuff. Um, that actually we're going to be talking about in detail, if not tomorrow, then on Thursday. I may have a special guest with me tomorrow. I'm still getting Dr. Jeffrey Goodman on these programs talk about the comments of God, but now we're going into the, the second part of Revelation chapter 13, where we get to the second beast. There are are some codes, there is some information buried, and if we search it out, we can take it, Um, but I want to ask you a question right now, what is your take about what you just heard? Um, Is there, is there agreement? Are we close? I mean, God forbid anybody would claim and say, I've got it, but this is what I've come up with, and if there are flaws, I would like to know because I want to deal with the flaws. I want it to be accurate. And then Patricia and I were talking again today, and she said, well, what's the, what's, what's the use of knowing these things? What's the point? Why do you want these people to know this part? And I said, well, I'm just studying the book of Revelation. That's the part we're at but I thought, yeah, what is the point? You know, if I'm sitting here telling you, vaccinations are coming, codes are changing, beasts are coming, dragons are on the way, Mystery Babylon, we haven't even talked about her, the the secret societies behind the scenes and all of this stuff. What does it have to do with anything? What does it have to do with you today? And then we both concluded the reason why we're studying these things and, and sharing them and trying to present them is to get us to see that this is so close. And what does that mean? That we need to be prepared. The whole idea behind this, number one, is to have our faith grow exponentially, to recognize and to realize that that supernatural intelligence of God that Elisha had is on working on your behalf. God's supernatural surveillance intelligence working on your behalf, you know, undermining and frustrating the purposes of the adversary against your life. You need to know that and be led by the Holy Spirit super intelligence, okay? And so, David Ellison, I got it, I got it. Nope, I ain't got it, (laughs) exactly. Um, So, Dennis is agreeing with some things. Shirley Woolsey is saying very eye-opening. Thank you for your explanation, you're welcome. Uh Joyce is saying, well what you just shared makes sense to me and David says, I got it, I got it. Nope, I ain't got it. All right. Well that's fair. That's very fair. The big question is how does this matter to you? Vinnie Pots and Fans, Ken the seventh head, you said it was wounded, and then the woman came out. Then the wo- the woman came the women came out. I don't re- I don't recall that. But anyways. <laughs> Good question. So yeah, one of the the wounded heads could be Babylon because it was wounded. You read Jeremiah 50, 51, but then it resurges again in Revelation 17, 18, but could be Rome resurging. And when you put all the attributes of these empires in the United Nations and it's all interconnected Man, I believe the United Nations is the beast. And it's going to control the entire world. And I believe the head of that beast that gives power, seat, and great authority. That's why I always thought it was strange that the the great dragon, the red dragon, gives the beast power, a seat in the United Nations, and great authority. And so that's, again, working together. Vinny Pots and Pan says, Joe Biden is the seventh. The lady of Babylon is Kamala Harris. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Keith Carey says, Uncle Pfizer man checking in from Columbus, Ohio. My battery's low, has nothing to do with the vaccine, nor my age. I hope you're okay out there, Keith. Um, he thinks the, mo- the mortal wound is Gorbachev. You see, all these different understandings, and I know everybody's searching it out, but We're looking for the truth. Let me ask you this question. If it's Kamala Harris, if it's, um, you know, all these other ideas, they're all saying the same thing. Get ready. A nation and the three nations that have a strong vote, China, Russia, no, the UN is a a combination of all the ancient empires working together from the Middle East to European bloc to all of it. It's all satanic. And they use technology and they have power and a court and military power is going to be given to the United Nations and America's sovereignty is going to be gone. And we're in the last fight of it, the resistance. And uh, it to be an interesting, interesting time. I've run out of time. Speaking about time, it's been great being with you today. I hope this helped in some manner to get you prepared. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Remember, right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's a roundtable discussion. You don't want to miss that. We'll be broadcasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. You've been listening to The Watchman on Omega Radio. Pray you've been blessed. See you tomorrow. Shalom.